live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. A great good afternoon and welcome aboard on this uh, Tuesday, May the 10th, the year 2022. It's a hot one out there today. Hope you're having a good one. School's about to wind down, final exams right around the corner, and then the kids will be out for summer. My main man, James Mesh, back in the Master Control Suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also in 1041 in Lake Charles. We are streaming, streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And in the Acadiana area, we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. So we're here for your listening, viewing pleasure in a myriad of ways. Um, the Raging Cajuns and LSU on the baseball diamond tonight. The Cajuns, nine games left on their regular season calendar. Uh, They begin the week with a 53 RPI. They get ready to take on Houston tonight, a two-game series, 6.30 tonight at Reckling Park in Houston. Uh, Pressure on the Cajuns to keep winning. Try to get that RPI up. Cajuns are 28 and 17 overall. Rice having a bad year, 13 and 34 overall with a 206 RPI. But um, remember, Texas Arlington had a 250 RPI, and they took the Raging Cajuns um, to the limit in three consecutive games, all one run wins by UL. So, uh, pressure, absolutely. The Cajuns are third in the Sun Belt as we speak. One game behind Georgia Southern. Five, three games behind league leader Texas State, which hosts the Cajuns this weekend. Now, right behind the Cajuns is Coastal Carolina, just a half game behind them. So, big, big week all on the road. Meanwhile, the LSU Tigers will Hosts the Southeastern Louisiana Lions tonight, trying to keep their momentum going, trying to get another win. Their RPI is just fine um, as they await the Ole Miss Rebels for a three-game set this weekend. I think the SEC tournament in a couple of weeks is going to be incredible, incredible. In hoops, last night, the Milwaukee Bucks fell to the Boston Celtics 116 to 108 as Al Horford turned back the clock. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo dunked on Horford, gave him a stare down. Horford kind of went, Oh, really? Okay, let's go. And in 42 minutes, the former Florida Gator, a career high 30 points in a playoff game, tying Jason Tatum. The Celtics outscored the Bucks 43 to 28 in the fourth quarter. 
to win it 116 to 108 to tie their best of seven series at two games apiece. Meanwhile, the Memphis Grizzlies um, led the Golden State Warriors throughout the game without John Morant. Going into the fourth quarter, they had a seven point lead, led throughout. Then all of a sudden, Steph Curry woke up and the Golden State Warriors behind Curry's 32 points, uh, got the win 101 to 98. Golden State leads their best of seven series, three games to one. So tonight we resume action in the East. Two, well, two game, two series that are tied, two games apiece. Uh, Philadelphia is at Miami with that series tied to all. And Dallas will be at Phoenix with that series tied at two games apiece as well. Oh, it's nice to be Tom Brady. It's really nice to be Tom Brady because um, whenever Tom Brady decides to retire, he's got a new deal. He will join Fox Sports as its lead NFL analyst. According to the deal, the New York Post reported that the seven-time Super Bowl winning quarterback has agreed to a 10-year $375 million contract, the most lucrative in sports broadcasting history. Very smart of Fox to get ahead of the game, recruit Tom Brady, get the deal done, and Brady, who enters his 23rd NFL season, turns 45 on August the 3rd. And didn't Brady say he wanted to play till he was 45? Sounds like he's got it all under control. What a life. What a gig to be Tom Brady. 10-year, $375 million contract to call some games. It's not a bad gig if you can get it. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. We will know more about um, the NFL schedule on Thursday. Meanwhile, NFL fans will be treated to... um, a pretty good matchup this Christmas. CBS announced this morning that defending Super Bowl champion the L.A. Rams will host Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos on Christmas Day at 3.30 p.m. The game will be on both CBS and Nickelodeon as well as Paramount Plus streaming. I don't understand all that stuff. All I know is that's a pretty darn good game, the Broncos and the Rams on Christmas Day. We know the Saints will be playing the Vikings across the pond. Other than that, who knows? The NFL recently announced a week two Monday night football doubleheader with the Eagles facing the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, followed by... Oh, well, this is wrong. This is wrong. Uh, Eagles, Eagles, Bills in Buffalo. And who's the other game? This is a misprint. Anyway, um, we'll find out all about these games and we'll find out about the Saints and what their schedule looks like. But we know that they will be playing in London in week four. So there you go. Um, and look, the NFL is so big, they make, a, they make a television experience out of the schedule on a Thursday night when the NBA is playing. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So we've got LSU baseball coming up. Justin Napoli will join us 
We'll go over the NBA playoffs. Chris Reed will join us. We'll focus on LSU baseball in this hour. In hour number two, it's a Tuesday. Bob Rose will join us from the Saints News Network, and we will talk all things Saints, NFL, and, and a variety of topics. We are brought to you each and every Tuesday by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana, and they're here to serve your needs. Dedicated to a simple mission statement, serving the community and seeing customers leave with a smile on their face. So whether you need fresh food, fuel, top shelf wines or spirits, or just a quick little pit stop, ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets look forward to serving you with their spacious stores that are always filled with Louisiana-grown products, modern restrooms that are clean and comfortable and modern and delicious food that is always fresh and always fast. If you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, you just can't shop right at all. NBA Playoff Talk next here, the Jordy Helper Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. For those not in the playoffs, the NBA offseason is a wonderful time. Teams, good or bad, dream of how they can take the next step. The Pelicans, that step is one of the most difficult from an upstart to a consistent playoff team and to a dark horse championship contender. Justin Napoli, co-founder of Boot Crew Media, founder and host of Propel's Talk. Time to talk some NBA. Justin, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? Good, Jordy. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Everything's good. Everything's good. Um, It's going to be a difficult step. Um, Of course, the Pels get a pretty good draft pick coming back in Zion Williamson. They, Depending upon how the ping pong balls bounce, they'll have a pretty good draft pick in this year's draft. Um, What does this team need more than anything else to take that next step? Yes. I'm glad you asked that. It's sort of, uh, kind of like an ongoing debate uh Pell's Twitter world right now. But, you know, when you add Zion, adding Zion back to the lineup is going to be a huge help. But I keep saying that they need a uh, a true point guard. I mean, I know Jose Alvarado is great um, coming off the bench, but I like to see a true point guard. People like to say Zion's a point guard, or C.J. McCollum's a point guard, or Brandon Ingram can bring the ball up. I, I agree in certain situations, but it's also nice to have a true point guard set these guys up in a half-court set, make sure that they get the right looks. And I think that a true point guard can do that for guys like C.J. McCollum, who's used to playing off-ball. Brandon Ingram plays off-ball. Zion Williamson plays off-ball. So that is, I mean, that's something that I think they need, and they also need shooting. Uh, I've heard a lot of Kevin Herter being thrown around. I've heard a lot of Buddy Heal being thrown around. Uh, a guy that might be interesting for me is uh, Bogdanovich out of Utah, who it seems as if Utah is going to go a different direction. I don't know if Rudy uh-huh. Gobert is going to leave or Donovan Mitchell or so on and so forth. But that's another guy that I think that the Pelicans, Pelicans could go get um, and shore up some shooting because besides Trey Murphy um, and C.J. McCollum, Brent had a you know, down-year shooting the ball from deep. 
Uh, they need shooting. Uh, shooting and, and guard plays uh my two things that I think that the Pelicans should go for in the offseason. Okay. Um, it appears to be, every year appears to be a pretty darn good draft in the NBA. Young players come up and uh, they do some some really amazing, amazing things. So uh, it, do you see um, utilizing a draft pick and then, you know, <sighs> With a Zion coming back in, does that make a player like a Jackson Hayes um, tradable? Uh, do you package a Jackson Hayes with maybe a Devontae Graham, maybe a draft pick, and try and get a, an experienced veteran uh, that can shoot? Do you foresee something like that happening? Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree. I think that um, the Jackson Hayes is a, is a big subject going into the offseason because obviously he's ex- He's there for the extension, uh, his rookie extension, and you know Devontae Graham hasn't really worked out. Um, great guy, he just had, he didn't play very well this year, and um, I think that his contract's pretty friendly too to move. Uh, so you can see those two names being moved. Another guy that's not really being talked about a lot is Kyra Lewis, and what do you do with him? Um, you know, Kyra was kind of supposed to be what Jose was. Uh, unfortunately, Kyra, you know, popped his ACL, so he's been rehabbing. But I think Jose has kind of solidified that uh, that back that backup point right. guard role coming off the bench. So Kyra could be another guy that could be traded this off season as well in order to get more veteran help. Um, also, Jordy, as you said earlier, the ping pong balls is going to be kind of everything, right? If they somehow fall in the top four. That changes everything. That, in my opinion, that changes the whole outlook of this team because you can get a stud player in a Jaden Ivey or a Jabari Smith or maybe a Chet Holmgren. Um, I know I'm forgetting somebody else. It's just I'm blanking right now. But those three, um, uh, yeah, those three or four guys can change your lineup as well, or you can trade them. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with these ping pong balls. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, very fascinating. Uh, Garrett Temple won't be playing for the Pels. He he may not be playing basketball. He may he may retire and go into the front office or become a coach or do something along those lines. I would think. Yeah, I could see him actually. It's funny you say that. I could see him actually being part of Willie Green's staff. I really could. Uh-huh. He's very well respected uh, in the locker room. That's why Willie Green hung on to him for so long. They had a good relationship. Uh, he is a very high basketball IQ guy. Uh, unfortunately, his playing days are probably done, and I think that he could help this team because, um, from what we've heard, everyone likes the guys. So it's always good to yeah. you know hang on to one of those guys. Uh, Monty Williams of the um, uh, Phoenix Suns was the NBA Coach of the Year. I have no problems with that. What I have a problem with is when you look down the list of coaches receiving votes, Willie Green didn't get one. And for a team that started the way they did, and with all the trials and tribulations, and without their supposed best player to get into the playoffs and make a run like they did. I, I, I'm shocked by that. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not, Georgie. Uh, I just, when you, know, you look at records, right, with, with coaches and, and that award, and yeah, usually the, the coach with the most wins usually wins that award. Mm-hmm. Um, but to us, to our points, he is, in my opinion, the coach of the year because he was dealt a bad hand. A lot of people forget about this, but his first day on the job, he had to handle the Jackson Hayes situation and, and the run-in with the police. And he had to handle the Zion situation. And he had to handle Hurricane Ida. And he had to handle a 1-12 in start. Like, he was incredible this year, what Willie Green does. Like, what Willie Green did this year is beyond remarkable. 
Um, we talk about it all the time, but of course, the national media, they just see our record and think, ah, he didn't really do that good of a job. We all know the job that Willie Green did. Yeah, remarkable. Um, remarkable. I wonder how much time these players take off to get their bodies back and, and when they uh, start ramping up again because, look, th- you can't win a championship uh, in the offseason, but you can sure lose one if you don't uh, go about to try and improve uh, your stock and your business. Um, I'm just kind of curious as to what their timeline is. Yeah, uh, you know, I think they, I, I from the exit interviews, Brandon, Brandon Ingerman, uh, Billy Hernan Gomez was talking about doing off-season workouts actually in Europe. Uh, I don't know the exact timeline, wow. but I do, know, I do know Summer League's coming up here in the next month or two. Um, and I'm, I'm actually, Jordy, I'm interested in who's going to be on that roster because if you don't remember last year, Jackson Hayes was going to be was going to be part of that summer league roster with Najee Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously he ran into legal trouble. So I wonder if Trey Murphy will get some run in the summer league this year and also Jose Alvarado. Uh, those are two names to look for in the summer league roster. Like I'm, I'm talking about a couple games and that's really it. Right. Um, but I, you know, off season workouts will start soon. Uh, yeah, you know, this story. the Brandon, the guys like Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum and Jonas Valanciunas, they took a beating. I'm sure they're right. going to take a month. They need to rest. They're probably going to take, they're probably going to take a month off here. To, right. It's kind of hang right. out, maybe go to Cancun a little bit. Yeah. Um, just, and, and be human beings for once, you know? I'm with you. Um, eight teams still playing. Uh, we've got two, 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 two series tonight. Uh, James Harden turned back the clock for Philadelphia. Uh, they're a completely different team with them beating there. Miami looked like they had things under control. Now it's heading back to Miami, two games apiece. How do you see that series turning out? Yeah, that's it's in. I mean, you saw that Kyle Lowry's out for the Heat tonight, yeah. too. Um, yeah. You know, Joel Embiid coming back changed that whole series. Um, even if he's not 100%, he's still that good. So that's going to be – I'm telling right now, Miami. I think Miami's facing a must-win tonight. Um, I do too. And then you know, going on with with the Dallas series, that's that's taking a turn. Uh, I feel like Dallas has kind of figured out a little bit about how to handle Chris Paul. Um, they were kind of letting Devin Booker get his, but they're really set in on Chris Paul and making it hard for him. And I think that's a testament to to, the, to what the Pelicans did. Um, I think Dallas has a little more depth than the Pelicans do, but you know, Dallas is picking up full court, putting Reggie Bullock on them, kind of muscling them up a little bit. You know. Getting him frustrated. He's been in foul trouble. I think he had seven turnovers in game three. He's clearly frustrated. Um, I, I see. I, I see Phoenix handling business at home tonight, but I don't. I, I can see this going seven games. I mean, what uh, do you, what are you, you seeing in that? I, I'm with you. Um, Luca is doing everything. They've got size. Um, I, I love Brunson uh, and, and what he does at the point guard spot. Uh, Dallas is a tough out. Uh, I still think Phoenix will figure out a way, but I, I, th- I see that thing going seven, and teams that host a game seven usually are in pretty good shape on that one. I thought a huge win, well, obviously, a huge win for Boston last night to tie that yeah. series of two games apiece in Milwaukee. Uh, turn back the clock. How about Al Horford? Um, don't mm. wake up uh, a sleeping giant, right? I mean, he went crazy. <laughs> He's 30 points, career high. Yes. It was a career high in playoffs. That was crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'll i never count out Giannis. Uh, 
Boston, going back right. to Boston, that's, that's an interesting series. I think Marcus Smart being back and somewhat healthy helps them out a lot, obviously. But Jason Tatum, Jordy, is on a, is on a superstar level right now. I, I knew yeah. he was he was a superstar, but he's he's taking that leap. I know he had a rough couple games, but he is taking that leap, in my opinion, of like becoming one of the best players in the game. He is he is a bona fide stud for sure. No question. He had 30 points as well. And then Golden State, who trailed the entire game to John Morant, less Memphis, who was 20 and five in games that Morant didn't play this year. So they've been very used to not having him in the lineup. Uh, but that championship pedigree, that 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 guys that have been there, done that, showed itself in full form down the stretch. Uh, Steph had 18 points in the fourth quarter. And uh, ended up with 32 in Golden State now in command, three games to one over Memphis. Um, boy, Memphis surprises me. They're, uh, they, they seem to be one player away from being a championship type of club. One player, yeah. one scorer yeah. away from really being good. Yeah, well, they are really good right now, but I, I agree. I think that uh, the John Morant uh, injury you know, history is a little scary. He's been hurt basically every year, but I agree. Yeah. They are one player away, but they have a really good roster. Uh, you know, Jaron Jackson, obviously, with Bain and, and Ja. They have some good veteran mix of, you know, Stephen Adams. Uh, they're they're going to be just fine. They're going to be tough, uh, especially moving forward for the Pelicans. Uh, they're, they're, I think the Pelicans might be in one of the best divisions between the yeah. Mavericks, uh, you know, Mavericks, Spurs, Grizzlies, and then uh, you got the Pelicans. That's a tough division to win. So yeah, uh, Mr. it's going to be tough for the next couple of years. Sure. There was some concern for San Antonio Spurs fans. Uh, San Antonio said they were going to play a couple of games in that new arena in Austin. Uh, Mr. Holt assured all of the fans that San Antonio, the Spurs were not leaving uh, San Antonio. I, I know you got a meeting to go to. I'm going to leave you on one question. Uh, five years from now, you've got the number one pick in the draft in Zion Williamson, the number two pick in John Morant. One is huge. The other is very thin and frail. They both take the ball to the basket. They both expose their bodies. They both shown a propensity for injuries. Five years mm-hmm. from now, who's got the better career? The big bulky guy or the or the, the thin skinny guy? God, that's a good question, Jordy. You're, you're you're putting one on me right now. Um, I'll tell you this much: if Zion is healthy for the last two years, he's better than Zion. We're not even talking about John Morant. We're not having to. We're not having this debate if. The Pelicans should have taken job number one. When Zion Williamson is on the court, he is incredible. I want pe- people seem to forget this because you haven't seen him in a year. He's truly incredible. Like he's talking like we're talking like the likes of like Shaquille O'Neal, Allen Iverson esque of being of scoring the basketball. He's that efficient. He's that unstoppable. Like if you watch him, Zion Williamson doesn't have any moves. Like because he doesn't need any moves because he's so powerful. He's like Shaq. Right. Like. Yeah. He, he's incredible, and you know you've watched Shaq. I mean, he was yeah. Shaq had the power, you know, the power step and just dunk it over you kind of thing. But right. Zion has the handles too, and yeah. the force coming down. He's almost like a baby Giannis. So when he gets that momentum going to goal, there's nothing more you can do. Um, and five years from now, if Zion stays healthy, I'm still going with Zion. But Ja Morant, I, I tweeted this the other night, Jordy. Ja Morant's like must see TV. I love watching the kid play. He plays with energy. He has these hops I've never seen before. Um, I just like his style of play. He's very loose. He's having fun. That's what basketball should be. It should be fun. And he has a lot of fun. 
Boston um, Napoli. Five years from now, I'm still going Zion, though. Who are you going? Okay. I, I hope you're right, man. I, I really do hope you're right. I, I kind of equate People forget. They see the Steph Curry now. Back in his early career, Steph Curry had ankle problems, and, and yep. he was nothing like he was now. And, and he has gotten that situation handled and has become a superstar. Joel Embiid in his early career never was on the court, was always hurt. Now look at him now. So people have to be a little patient. These things happen uh, as players mature and evolve and get with trainers and start to learn a better way to handle their life and their their craft. Uh, I think the future will hold right. I'm knocking on wood. Uh, Justin, thank you so much. Get to your meeting. Uh, we'll talk we'll again do. soon, buddy. Thank you. I greatly appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having me on, Jordy. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. You take care. Justin Bye. Napoli, Boot Crew Media. Uh, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for downtown rising with the ultimate downtown rising VIP experience. You can score a pair of VIP passes plus a chance to meet the Cold War kids. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win VIP passes for Downtown Rising on Saturday, June 4th. The ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Raider Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. As we roll on on this Tuesday edition of the Jordy Helper Show presented by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, we'll talk LSU baseball. They host the Lions of Southeastern. Chris Reed, the former Tiger, will tell us about the status of LSU after this timeout on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back on this Tuesday, May 10th. LSU baseball back at the box tonight, taking on um, the unranked Southeastern Louisiana Lions. LSU as high as number nine in perfect game, as low as number 17 in the country in D1 Baseball. Um, joining us now, usually comes on on a Monday. We had some technical difficulties with it, but he's back with us today. Former LSU Tiger Chris Reed joining us. Chris, good afternoon, man. I, I appreciate you uh, hopping on board with us today, buddy. What's happening? Oh, not much. Just uh, busy with work uh, during these uh, volatile times in the stock market. <laughs> oh, God, good luck on that deal, man. Woo, um <laughs> I've been following LSU baseball a long, long time. I can't recall the last time LSU won an SEC road series with two starters who didn't even make it out of the first inning. That's crazy. Yeah, it's obviously not ideal for your uh, two out of your three starters to really only combine for a few innings uh, at most. And... Uh, you know, it really shows one the resiliency of the squad, definitely from a from a uh, pitching standpoint, but also uh, from a coaching standpoint. 
Uh, I feel I felt like Jay and the and the staff and, and even the pitching coach did a really good job of maneuvering uh, in those unchartered and very volatile uh, situations. But um, yeah, you got to tip your cap to the pitching uh, for the Tigers and really getting them out of those really really bad situations uh, that you hate to see. Definitely when you're in the back half of the season and every game matters a ton to yep. where your placement is going forward in the SEC tournament and just nationally. I believe the SEC tournament is going to be so critical, but can can a team like LSU with such in – you talk about volatility in the stock market. There is so much instability with the starting pitching after Mikhail Hilliard. Can you survive in a in a, in a, in a SEC tournament with that type of instability on the mound? You can, but it obviously makes it a lot harder. Uh, you would prefer to go into the SEC tournament with, you know, three pretty locked-in choices for your starters that you know they're going to go out there and give you quality starts each and every single time. Hmm. And unfortunately, we're in the situation where we're still kind of figuring that out. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head the last time that LSU was in a position like that. But, um, you know, you, you – you got to deal with what you got. And, yep. you know, I felt like this was an outlier this weekend. I, I think we're uh, going to get back uh, to the pitching that we've been seeing in, in the you know more recent weeks. And, and I think we're going to get back on track and really solidify, you know, our, our pitching prospects for the starters going forward. What's happened to Blake Money, in your opinion? Is it between the ears? Is it something technical? Because, what, what, I mean, when he started, it was like, oh, my gosh, we've got one of the legendary Friday night starters that LSU's always used to having, and something, something's awry. I, I can't figure it out. You, you see baseball a lot differently and a lot more clearly than I do. What do you see? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was with the majority of – folks that you just mentioned in terms of when at the beginning of the season, now I went to Houston, I went to a bunch of the games and, and you see Blake money roll out there. He's getting up to 95, 96. He's got three pitch mix. He's controlled this, that, and the other. And, you know, I think if I'm not mistaken, going back to, he got injured in a game, uh, had to come out. Uh, and, and, you know, I was kind of scared that, when that injury occurred, it looked more like it was an elbow thing, the way he was maneuvering his hand. Uh, you would tend to maneuver your hand like that when it involves a UCL injury, which would then involve okay. Tommy John surgery. Um, okay. But it obviously came out that it wasn't that. It was, you know, someone with his thumb or whatnot. But, um, yeah, I think now it's, you know, it, it's, it's got to be mental in the fact that, you know, his velo is a little bit down, but that's nothing to worry about. You know, you get later in the season, your arm – tires out a little bit um but i do question if if he is fully healthy because i i don't know how um or i haven't seen how a player can go from being so dominant to yeah. you know looking you know really looking like he's he's trying to figure stuff out um he went from being extremely composed and, and basically a complete pitcher to one that's really trying to figure it out in the middle of battle. So um, yeah. it's definitely, it's definitely you know, a little bit mental at this point. Um, I think probably some of it has to do with some of the infielding woes. He just feels like he has to be too perfect um, after setting the standard that he did early in the year. 
And so he may be putting some pressure on him from that angle as well. Uh, Right-hander Sam Dutton got the start on Sunday. He was also pulled in the first inning. So two of your three starters just didn't, didn't have what they had, but thank goodness for, for Jacob hasty and Eric Reiselman and uh, Ty Floyd, that, that bullpen, man, they, they're really good. But my, I guess my question is how often can you use that bullpen? Because man, those guys arms are going to fall off if you're not careful. Well, yeah, I mean, to a degree, um, I, I think the the great position that LSU has with their guys in the bullpen is that you you know look at Rosman, you look at Floyd, look at a couple of the other ones. They've all started at some point in their career, so they can yeah. do extended outings and make up for situations where your starting pitchers may not, um, you know, dig deep into the games as you had anticipated. Uh, and I think that their stuff is electric enough to come in and exceed when those situations occur. Uh, Ty Floyd, uh, you know, he was a what a, breath, a fresh breath of air right there. Wow. Um, you know that the if he can mix in his off speed and really start to utilize that, I've always thought that he had the starter potential. I just felt like they were starting him with with basically you know, a half-loaded gun. He just didn't have all the bullets he needed. Uh, and it was really it was really impressive, honestly, to see how he dealt with it by just throwing a straight fastball 95% of the time. Right. Um, you know, I remember just hitting, you know, just on the hitting side of things, you would, you would just chomp at the bit if you were facing a guy that was throwing that many fastballs. Uh, you know, you, it, you knew it was coming. So to see him really kind of, have that off speed evolve and, and utilize it uh, was a was a fresh a breath of fresh air, and um, I felt like Rosamond's kind of the same way. If he obviously has a very explosive fastball, but if he can just mix in a few more off speed, you know, I think he has the ability to come in and start games and 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 kind of be utilized in a dual role going forward. Uh, Floyd. Um... In game two against Alabama, limited Crimson Tide to one run on two hits in four innings with a walk and five strikeouts. Reiselman made two appearances in the Alabama series, gave up one run on one hit in four innings with a walk and five strikeouts. And, um, I mean, Jacob Hasty was he, – he had two appearances against Alabama, four and two-thirds scoreless in, in, innings, two hits, no walks, five strikeouts. Those are three very reliable people, and we haven't talked about a Devin Fontenot or others. Got lots of pictures, but but man, that Friday, uh, that Saturday, Sunday deal, we got to find somebody. And for the this late in the season to still be um, to be determined who your starting picture is going to be in your midweek game, uh, boy, it's a lot of questions. Um, it's not normal, Chris, is it? No, no, it's definitely not normal. Um, you would obviously, in, a, in an ideal situation, would prefer to know your, you know, your top three guys so you could allocate them to the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday positions that you seem best seem fit. But um, you know, we're not in that situation, and you know, I don't think it's an end all be all because of the fact that you know how how solidified our our bullpen has been and how solidified our offensive. Uh, production has been and so you really look you really look going forward to see if you know Dutton Taylor whoever else you throw into the mix uh, money included 
uh, can kind of solidify their spot. Uh, You know, we still have a couple weeks left in the season. um, And really, it just, at this point in the season, it all matters about postseason play. Uh, You know, you obviously want to win this weekend. You want to win next weekend. Put yourself in the best possible position uh, going forward. But, you know, as a a fan, you would prefer to see it, those positions locked down in terms of pitching. But um, I think, I think it's, I think we have the pieces together to be able to win and win at a high level without that. But, you know, just to make it easier and to make it easier on the hitters, that way they don't put too much pressure on themselves trying to score a bunch of runs in case the pitching uh, doesn't, doesn't go according to plan. You know, I would hope we see something more solid going into the postseason. Let me ask you this. Blake Money doesn't throw many pitches, gets pulled in the first inning. Here you have a very important Tuesday game. Southeastern is uh, tied for first in the Southland Conference with our friends in Lake Charles, McNeese. They're both 12-9 and nine in the league. Do you, do you put Money in for an inning or two on a Tuesday to maybe get his confidence back up? Uh, and then, therefore, he's got uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off, and 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 maybe you you work him into a Saturday role or a Sunday role against Ole Miss. It, it seems to me confidence is waning, and maybe tonight's an opportunity to get him in there for an inning to work on his stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean that that happens all the time, um, and. You know, it would obviously – I don't know what his schedule is in terms of usually a pitcher after he pitches a game. The next morning he's going to show up early, uh, do his uh, kind of arm therapy, do some long toss and soft throwing, and then hopefully a bullpen a couple days after that. I'm not sure how his schedule has been handled, but if it's been handled with the thought of potentially pitching him tonight, why, why not? You know, yeah. it's an important game. Um, you're, you're, you have a pitcher that's really could end up being a, a very, very important part uh, in the success of this team going forward. And and if his if his confidence is waning, which you know it seems to be, why not put him out there against a team that you know if you wanted you know if you wanted to be forthright, it, it, it's not at the same level of the SEC caliber team. They're still pretty good though. Yeah. Um, why not give him that opportunity to go out there and make it basically a simulated game, which is kind of what, you know, Coach Maneri a little bit would, would allude to when we had pitchers in the same situation. We put them out there, and uh, basically you want to act as if it's a simulated game. You give them a set right. pitch count, you give them a set inning structure, whatever it may be, and let them go and tell them, look, don't put any pressure on yourself. Go out there, be relaxed, have fun, and just attack the strikes. And if they hit the ball, they hit the ball. You know, you have players yep. behind you that are of, right. of, of top talent, you know, that you could ask for behind you. Let them do their job, and you do your job. And then you do that, majority of the time you're going to win the ball game. What's it like for a baseball player? Now, I played on LSU basketball teams, and I knew what some of my yeah. teammates were going to give me each and every night. I knew this guy was going to get 15 points. He was going to get 12 rebounds. I knew this guy was going to get five, six, seven assists. I just knew that. You know, Mikhail Hilliard's going to be around the strike zone. You know, he's going to give you five, six, maybe seven innings. After that, for an infielder and a, an everyday player, what's it like when you're not sure what you're going to get from a pitcher and pitchers are coming in left and right? I mean, just an inning here, two innings there. I mean, you, you, everything changes for you, doesn't it? 
Yeah, and, and unfortunately, uh, I've been on both sides. Um, you know, I've been on a team at LSU where, you know, the pitching was kind of similar as it is this as this as it is this year. But I was also on another team where it was flip flopped, where the pitching was astounding and the hitting was very suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can you know I can attest kind of to both ways because I was able to see um, both sides and, and and whatnot. But from a hitter standpoint, if your pitching isn't isn't doing too well, you know, there's a lot of Pressure put on the earlier at bats. Um, Usually, the pressure is put on the late game at bats because that's crunch time um, in those in in majority of situations. But you obviously, you know, when it's six thirty and you have your first at bat, there may be a little, you know, a little bit of pressure. But you don't want to put too much on it because it's your first time seeing the pitcher. You got to understand what he's, you know, trying to do in terms of their philosophy. What pitches is he trying to get you out on? Where is, where is he attacking the zone at? This, that, and the other. Um, and when the pitching's not not going according to plan, you tend to put too much pressure on yourself from a hitter standpoint. You feel like each and every at-bat is basically the can determine how the game's outcome uh, goes. And, and it's just it's not a very comfortable spot. Same thing with fielding, mm-hmm. to be honest. I mean, yeah. if the pitching's not going according to plan, then you're fielding each time you get the ball hit to you. You think you have to make the play right perfectly, or the game could you know could fall apart. So yeah, it, it, it's not a it's not a great position to be in from a hitter's perspective. But like I mentioned earlier, when you have a when you have a hitting team like we have, the potential to basically outscore any team that we face, um, it at least takes a little bit of that pressure off. You know, they can be a little yeah. bit um, a little bit more even-minded in, in that aspect. Well done. Well done as always, man. Thank you. I, look, uh, uh, stock market goes up, stock market goes down. It, it's just <laughs> inevitable. It's going to happen. You just hang in there, big fella. It's just like a ball game going to be a good inning yeah. to go, and it's going to be followed by a rough inning. That's going to be another great inning. So hopefully the great innings outlast the, the not so great innings, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's cyclical. And, you know, obviously over the, you know, over the years of the stock market, it's continuously shown to rebound and improve right. and things like that. So it's, it, even though it's turbulent times, you got to keep the steady head. Uh, yeah. You, you, you got to keep, Stick into the fundamentals and 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 don't change and don't panic sell this that and the other sports. things that you you commonly hear. It's, so it's yeah, sports. there's there's always greater times than the bad. The, yeah. the bad times though sometimes get amplified um, in certain situations. It's just like the sports. So in closing, would you rather be on a baseball team with great great pitching or a baseball team with great great hitting? You can't have both of them. You can only have one. Which one do you want? Um, that's a tough one because I would probably, I'd probably prefer the great pitching. Um, if I'm going to be on the team, I'd prefer the great pitching because at least, you know, that's always going to give you a shot. The hitting is a little, it's, it's just, you know, if you end up running into a team with great pitching, great pitching usually is going to be great hitting. So, um, I'd have to go with pitching. If you get you refer, it refers back to when we played Florida in the national championship. I felt like we had 
well, wait, well, actually, I just not even it's statistically, we had a way better hitting team than they did, but their pitching staff was off the charts. I think they had six or seven first round draft picks on that team. Yeah. And, um, and they ended up winning the national championship and they dominated, um, to a degree throughout the year. And, and I think I kind of liked the way that, uh, that team's makeup was. And, you know, if, if we would have had their pitching, who knows what would have happened, but they were, they're on the same side of it in terms of saying that they wish they would have had our hitting. So who yeah, knows? Gotcha. It depends on if you like pitching or hitting more. <laughs> All right. We'll see. Chris, thank you so much. We'll talk to you Monday recapping the Ole Miss series. Knock on wood. Thank you, man. You're welcome. All right. The game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Astros take on the Texas Rangers, May 21st. You can be there. Register in the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, hotel accommodations on that Saturday evening. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston, downtown in the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll wrap up our number one, set the stage for our number two after this timeout. The Jordy Helper Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, brought to you by ShopRite, Tobacco. Plus discount outlets. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with ride tickets for the Cajun Heartland State Fair at the Cajun Dome May 26th to June 5th. Text CHSF to 68683 to win a family four pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. That's CHSF to 68683 to win a family four pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. We'll rewind and go over the headlines of the day, and Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us as well. Hour number two of the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus. Discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all, dude. We'll be back. Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go. Two games in the NBA tonight. Um, and, uh, very, very pivotal, important games to speak. No question about that. As, uh, we're coming down to cases, Philadelphia is at Miami. That series tied at two games apiece. Dallas is at Phoenix. That series has tied at two games apiece. Both all clubs have won at home and they say the series doesn't start until the road team wins the game. We'll see if the Sixers, the Mavericks can do that tonight. We shall see. LSU baseball at home against Southeastern. Um, you can listen to that ball game. First pitch, 630 right here on uh, the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. The Raging Cajuns are on the road taking on Rice, trying to win games to get their RPI right. Um, so we'll see how both teams close out the regular season, get ready for 
conference tournament time, and then hopefully both teams will be in postseason play. Uh, we shall see. Um, oh, what a day it is for one Tom Brady. Uh, retired, came out of retirement, going to play another season with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then when he does decide to retire for good, he's got a new deal with Fox as their lead NFL analyst, uh, a 10-year deal worth $375 million. Lachlan Murdoch, the CEO of Fox, announced that news today during a corporate investor call. Uh, Brady will call games alongside lead play-by-play announcer Kevin Burkhardt, who moves up after Joe Buck and, um, um, oh my gosh, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. They've moved to ESPN and Monday Night Football. Uh, anyway, Kevin Burkhardt will work as a, an ambassador for Fox with a focus on client and promotional initiatives. So Tom Brady's got quite the... Uh, quite the gig to say the very, very least Joe Buck, Troy Aikman is who I'm thinking of. Um, they've moved to Monday night football. So Brady turns 45 in August, and now he is the latest superstar quarterback to pursue a post retirement media career. Aikman Romo, um, to name just a few. And now you've got Peyton Manning and Eli Manning on the Manning cast. Um, it's all about entertainment value and all. We'll see how um, Tom Brady responds as someone who has to be uh, critical every now and then when someone doesn't play up to the standards. And Tom Brady considered the greatest of all time. It's, it's very difficult. It wasn't easy for Larry Bird to go from player to coach because you expect players to have the same capacity, the same drive, the same way about doing things as you do, and, and they all don't. That's what separates a Larry Bird and a Magic Johnson and a Tom Brady from others. Um, so we shall see. But it's not a bad gig if you can get it, if you can get it. Um, the NIL situation, um, the NCAA has set, New guidance for NIL collectives. Um, and look, I don't know what to think about all this stuff. Monday night, the incident chimed in after they, they, they took a back seat and let the floodgates open with the name, image, and likenesses in college sports. Um, now they've set out a guidance to member schools in an attempt to limit third parties from using the NIL for recruiting purposes. Collectives, directives, booster-run organizations that offer monetary benefits to athletes could be subject to penalties. Under the new guidelines, if a, if a so-called pay-for-play scenario is proven, I don't know how you prove it. I really don't. Um, the only way to prove it is... Well, how, how do you now, now it's involved in the high schools. So how do you control this? And the biggest thing I get is take LSU, for instance, tell it LSU now has three entities. They have the LSU alumni association. They're in the fundraising business. Okay. You've got the tiger athletic foundation. They're in the 
fundraising business. What the Tiger Athletic Foundation offers you is if you donate, then you get points and then you can get better seats, this and, and the ability to buy tickets and all of that. That's what they have. And now you've got the third entity, which is the athletes themselves. Baton Rouge, the state of Louisiana. How many people can they, they're all calling the same people and they're all looking for dollars. They're all looking for money. I mean, what, what about that guy that owns ABC construction, whatever, and they're getting called by this group and this group and this group. Don't, don't they get tired of that? And now it's, what do what do companies and businesses and and wealthy individuals what what do they find most valuable do they want to contribute to the alumni association do they want to get involved with TAF or do they want to say hey i i help sponsor this this athlete who ends up going to the NFL or to the NBA or major league baseball um, and then the other concern I, I've always had, and look, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. That's great. It's a multi-billion dollar business. Players should earn fair market value. I'm all for it. Boy, it puts a lot of pressure on coaches, position coaches. Player A, it's got these endorsement deals. Name, image, likeness. Player B has nothing. What does that do to your locker room? How does that factor in? Uh, this is not an easy deal by any stretch of the imagination. And they're trying to get these, um, these guidelines now to try and create a more balanced playing field. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. McNeese is not going to have the same playing field as LSU. UL is not going to have the same playing field. Louisiana Tech, not going to have the same playing field as LSU. Just not. Georgia Southern, Georgia State, not going to have the same playing field as Georgia. So everybody has to get a grip on reality. And everybody has to understand that people are going to do what they want to do with the money that they have earned. And they're going to do whatever they want and give it to whoever they want. What do you get the most bang for your buck? That's the question. And what the NCAA wants and what, like Greg Sankey wants, is don't just give the money for nothing. If it's um, your jersey, set up a deal where the player goes and autographs jerseys for people, and you create an event for it. That's what they want. They want to see, not like the old movie uh, Blue Chips where, uh, what's his summer job? Oh, he just turns the sprinklers on. No, he doesn't. You got a yard guy that does that. They, they just sit back and do nothing. So I don't know where this is all going to lead. I really, really don't. It's a very, very slippery slope that has so many tentacles reaching out. It's, again, it's the haves and the have-nots. Not only are the Power 5 schools going to have more than the uh, non-Power 5 schools, but certain players within those Power 5 schools are going to have more than other players. And everybody has an ego, and everybody wants to be treated equally, but you can't. It's impossible. 
it's absolutely impossible. So I don't know where it's going to go or where it's headed. But once again, the NCAA comes in a day late and a dollar short. You know, all these things have already happened. You know that if you go to Texas and you're an offensive lineman, you're going to get a hundred thousand dollars a year for four years. That's already been out there. So, um, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. And I, it, it, look, the, the idea of a quote student athlete, that's a, that's a farce. That's a joke. This is a minor league system to the pros. It's what it is. Totally what it is. Um, and so for coaches to get into their contract, the stipulation of, look, you're going to get bumped up this amount. If your graduation rate is at this amount, so many players are leaving early. So many players are transferring. How do you keep track of it? How in the heck do you keep track of that? So it's a new world, man. It's crazy. I don't understand it. I don't know where it's going to go, but I do know that, um, Mr. Mr. Construction Company guy who's a big time LSU fan, he's getting bombarded with phone calls from everybody. I got called today from someone. I will keep it quiet. Um, looking for a donation, looking for money. Um, I'm like, man, look, I got kids, kids to feed. I'm sorry. That that's more important. Well, do you mind if we call you back down the road? No, call me anytime you want. Call me anytime you want. So I I, I again. I don't have the answer. Um, should players be paid? I think so. Fair market value. Um, but you know what? When players are starting to make more, college players are making more than college coaches, and high school players are making more than high school coaches, that's where you're going to have issues. That's where the problems were. Whew, crazy. Absolutely crazy. Anyway, NIL. It's a new world. I will take a quick time out here. We're brought to you each and every day uh, by one of our great sponsors today. It is ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlet, 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. And they've got awesome deals. It's a very simple thing. Just become a Buku Rewards member. And when you do, boy, you get awesome deals at the stores. Great prices on products, but also great prices at the gas pump. Because um, uh, they've added fuel, a fuel rewards program where you can earn a significant fuel fill-up discount just through your store purchases. And in addition, if you join our new Gator Gas program, you can earn additional cents off per gallon on every fuel purchase. Go to ShopRiteLA.com. S-H-O-P-R-I-T-E-L-A.com. It's free and you win as a Buku Rewards member. Please don't miss out on this opportunity. Save at the pump, save in the store. And if you can't shop right at ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets, you just can't shop right at all. The Black and Gold Report, Bob Rose. Next, after this timeout, the Jordy Helpert Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. 
Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Brought to you by Eon of Lafayette Smarter Body Contouring, the first robotic touchless laser body contouring device for non-invasive permanent fat loss. Bob doesn't have to worry about that. He's slim and trim. Hey, Bob, what's happening, buddy? Uh, not, not, not as slim and trim as you, my friend. You're looking good. I hope you're having a great week. Not bad at all. Um, not bad at all. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm looking at the saints draft and I'm looking at the overall, um, and I'm thinking, yeah, who's going to be in contention for the, uh, NFL rookie of the year. And you would think with the emphasis on wide receivers, that the wide receiver position would be quite the opportunity to win that award. And I wonder where Chris Olave would rank among these wide receivers as a potential rookie of the year candidate. Hey, Jordy, as far as the non-quarterbacks go, and you know, remember that Kenny Pickett was the only, uh, for the Steelers was the only first-round draft pick, right. uh, and he'll probably be the only rookie quarterback to see significant playing time. But if you look outside of that position, I think Alave stands as good a chance as anybody uh, you know, to, uh, to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, you you got to look over in Atlanta, uh, you know, who, who, uh, who selected uh, you know, Drake London. Uh-huh. Uh, Atlanta doesn't have much going for him offensively, so if Drake puts up some big numbers, uh, you know, he'll be in consideration. But whether it's right or wrong, uh, these kind of awards also go to teams more often than not with winning records or at least are in contention. Uh, we we expect the Saints to be up there, uh, and you know, if they are, that probably means that Chris Olave has had a very good season. Uh, yeah, and he, in my opinion, he could even emerge as the number one target if Michael Thomas is slow to recover from that ankle surgery that's had him hung up the last year and a half. With Olave's skill set, I think the sky is the limit for him. So yeah, I mean, you know, you know Saints fans, if you have a couple extra bucks. Yeah, you know, throw throw it out Vegas way and yeah, you know, place your wagers down on Alave for offensive rookie of the year. I think he stands as good a chance as anybody. You mentioned Michael Thomas. Um, anytime you're dealing with the foot or the ankle in any kind of sport and it's a long term thing, but that really worries me. Um I mean, if he's healthy, do you what kind of a what's a fair expectation for him? And he was the best wide receiver in football until he got hurt. But he hadn't played in a long, long time. And I don't care what happens. Father time, you get a little bit older and you're not nearly as sharp. What's a fair expectation out of him? Yeah. And you you, you and I are both athletes, too. And we know what it's like to recover from injuries. Uh, These guys are human. So even if the ankle does check out, you know, knock on wood and he doesn't uh, suffer any setbacks. Uh, you know, human nature is that he's going to be kind of slow to get back into the flow of things uh, you know, until he feels 100% comfortable on that thing. Uh, and you know, it, it, Michael's still a young guy. So you know, it, it, as long as that ankle does check out, uh, you know, I think he'll be back to his dominant form, but it's going to take a while. Uh, you know, a realistic expectation for him is probably around 90 to 100 catches. Uh, about Man. 12, 1,300 yards. I, you know, I realize that seems like a high total. Uh, yeah. Look at what the Saints lacked in the receiving core last year. What MT13 can do when he's healthy. 
Uh, and you know, I, I think I think 90, 90 receptions for about 12, 1300 yards uh, is a solid season and a comeback year. Uh, the Alvin Kamara situation trial or whatever has been moved to August. I don't understand why they would want that to be that way or why that happened. I'd want to get it over with and know exactly where you stand, not only as a player, but as an organization. What are you going to do? Let's say Alvin Kamara, at, at, I don't know, gets suspended for three or four games. I, I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe he doesn't get suspended at all. I hope not, uh, depending upon what the league finds out. But what what do the Saints do at running back? Your question is as good. Uh, your your guess is as good as mine. Uh, yeah, listen, they still have Mark Ingram on the roster. Uh, yeah, Ingram showed the world that he still has some left in the tank last year, but he's also thirty. He will be thirty three years old, yeah. eleven years in the league, and that's eleven hard years. Yeah. Uh, so outside of that, what do they have? Yeah, uh, Tony Jones, uh, who didn't show much last year. Dwayne Washington, a special teamer. Now, I, I really do like Abram Smith, the undrafted uh, running back from Baylor. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I loved his film when I broke it down. But do you really want to, if you're Dennis Allen, do you really want to go into the year uh, if Kamara uh, is suspended? Uh, or you know, even if by risking injury, you really want to go into the year putting all your eggs in the basket of an 11-year veteran uh, and you know, a, a couple of undrafted guys? Uh, you know, they, it, in my opinion, they absolutely need to sign somebody off the free agent market, uh, you know, somebody who has the capability of carrying that rushing load. Uh, you know, if Ingram is a little bit slowed or you know, Kamara is out for a few games. I know they, they talked to Sony Michelle. Yeah. Sony signed with the Miami Dolphins yesterday yeah. for only about $2.5 million on a one-year deal. So I don't know what happened in his uh, alleged meeting between he and New Orleans, uh, but obviously uh, Miami nabbed him off the market. There are a couple other backs out there that could be intriguing to New Orleans, though. Uh, you mentioned Miami. They seem to be a team on the on the rise. Are you are you buying stock in the Dolphins? I'm not. Uh, yeah, not okay. until it shows to me. Uh, yeah, they've made some splashy moves. Uh, yeah, and we saw last year how formidable that defense is. Uh, yeah, I, I like the pieces they have at the skill position. They still need to show me that they can run the ball. And Tua, yeah, Tua is still a very much unproven commodity. He is erratic at best. Uh, so until he develops his game uh, into being at least a mid-level signal caller, uh, you know, in Miami, you know, it plays in a juggernaut of an AFC. I don't see them being a contender quite yet. Okay. Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network with us. We know the Saints are going to be playing the Vikings in week four uh, across the pond in London. I don't like those games, uh, but the league is going to do what the league is going to do. And for whatever reason, right? Um, I just, I hate those. Although I, I am an early bird, so I'll get to watch the game at 830 in the morning and have the rest of the day to do what I want to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I feel the same way. Uh, you know, the, the dog and the kid has me up between 5 and 6 a.m. Uh, you know, so the early kickoff time is no problem. And at the risk of offending you know, some, of the, uh, some of the fans uh, that I have and Saints News Network has it over the pond, I don't like these international games either. It's not the IFL. It's the national not international football league. Right. I know what Goodell in the league office is trying to do. Uh, but you know, with TV and internet nowadays, I don't think you have to worry about the NFL not being an international product. Uh, yeah. It, it's a long trip for the, for those players and coaches. 
Uh, you know, are they going to get the bye week after uh, the week four matchup against the Vikings? We won't know uh, for a couple of days yet. Uh, but more often than not, play, uh, teams that play these overseas games, uh, that does seem to mess them up for, yeah. you know, for a couple of weeks. And that, that certainly has to have you concerned. I'm with you. We'll find out the Saints schedule on Thursday. And by that, we'll kind of know what, what the league thinks the Saints' chances are, right? How many primetime games will they have? Um, how little primetime games will they have? What's your guesstimate on that? Uh, in recent years, like you said, yeah, the Saints have been a marquee team. Yeah. Uh, have, have drawn in a lot of viewers in their primetime matchups. We've seen as many as five or six you know, primetime games for New Orleans. I don't see them having that many no. this year. Uh, but I, I can still see three or four tops uh, okay. you know, on Monday night or uh, a couple of Sunday nights sprinkled in there. Uh, we know every franchise is forced to play at least one Thursday night game. Uh, you know, will the Saints draw another Thursday, uh, another Thanksgiving game? We've seen that in three of the last four years. Uh, you know, so, yeah, you know, if you count the holiday games, I expect the Saints to have at least three or four. Uh, you know, primetime games, uh, you know, one of them will be against Tom Brady. I expect another to be against Cincinnati uh, and then, you know, kind of kind of sprinkle them in throughout after that. Yeah, that should be one of the biggest draws of, of the of the seasons when Joe Burrow and the the team that got to the Super Bowl, the Bengals come comes to Baton Rouge, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, former Tigers. They'll be a clamoring for tickets for that bad boy. Yeah, they sure will. Uh, and you, know, you, you have your finger on the pulse uh, of Saints social media as much as I do. Uh, that, that's all this fan, who that fan base seems to want to talk about is Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase's homecoming. Uh, you know, what's it going to be like in the dome? Uh, and listen, the Bengals are an excellent football team. Uh, yeah, obviously, without knowing what the schedule is, that's one of the opponents that I have circled on my calendar is I can't wait to watch, uh, especially against that Dennis Allen defense. You talk of LSU players. We saw Teran Matthews sign with the Saints. I've heard some talk that the Saints and Jarvis Landry had some conversations. What's uh, What are you hearing about that? And is that something you think is a possibility? I, I mean, sure, it's a possibility. Uh, and, yeah, they did have preliminary discussions, the Saints and Jarvis Landry. We know for a fact before the draft. Uh, I've been hearing in recent days that the Ra Baltimore Ravens have shown a lot more interest in Jarvis. Uh, Landry and New Orleans have not met after since the draft has concluded, to my knowledge. Okay. Uh, and I guess Jarvis wouldn't be a bad fit. Uh, you know, but my question is, how how deep do you want to go at receiver? You spent a first round pick on Alave, uh, right. you know, a much needed first round pick. Uh, you know, if you in, do indeed expect a 100 percent Michael Thomas, that's the question. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, and you know, only Dennis Allen and the medical staff and Michael Thomas know that. If he's behind schedule on his rehab, then I think you do have to target Jarvis Landry. I like Marquez Callaway. I love Deontay Hardy uh, and love the Alave pick, but it'd be nice to have a veteran presence like Landry. And if you do expect Thomas back close to 100%, then again, I think you have to shift gears back to running back yeah. uh, and get a Philip Lindsay or a Jordan Howard, uh, even a Darrell Williams uh, to back up uh, Alvin Kamara. I think that's where the focus should be. Isn't Landry a very similar compliment to Michael Thomas? Don't they do the same? They, they run those short patterns over the middle and they catch balls and you know, that's about it, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and you know, nobody does it better than Michael Thomas. Uh, you know, so you're not exactly getting an, you know, it, an even level if you bring in a guy like Jarvis Landry. 
Uh, a lot of us were hearing reports that he was asking for a contract close to 20 million before the draft. Oof. You certainly wouldn't think he would get anywhere close to that. Uh, yeah, but again, if you have Michael Thomas on one side, you need guys to clear out space for him and for Kamara. And that's what Alave for uh, is for. That's what Deontay is for. Uh, you know, and even Marquez Callaway showed himself to be a pretty solid intermediate route runner. So, yeah, like I said, if, if you do indeed expect a healthy Mike Thomas, I think you need to go another direction yeah. outside of Travis Landry I, for this. Offense. I agree. I think if the Saints behind the scenes are looking at Michael Thomas and going, I, I don't think this is going to, if he's going to be a hundred percent when the season starts, then you go get a Jarvis. I think they will tilt the tip their hat. Uh, if they do along those lines. All right, let's take a quick time out here. 31 minutes after the hour, we will continue the black and gold report with our good friend, Bob Rose of the St. Sue's network. After this timeout on the Jordy Helpert show on the game, one Oh three, seven Lafayette, one Oh four, one Lake Charles brought to you by ShopRite tobacco plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, dude, you just can't shop right at all. We'll be back. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 10th, 1970. Bobby Orr scores a famous overtime winning goal as Boston beats the St. Louis Blues 4-3 at the Boston Garden in Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Finals. The win gives Boston a series sweep and its first title since 1941. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, we're back 35 minutes after the hour on this Tuesday, May the 10th, the Black and Gold Report. Bob Rose, kind enough to join us. We've been talking about uh, the New Orleans Saints, the possibility of a Jarvis Landry. I'm just curious, do you follow the USFL at all, Bob? Jordy, I would love to, uh, you know, but with all of us being so busy with the draft and draft rumors, draft profiles, everything like that, I'm, uh, I'm ashamed to admit that I've only caught bits and pieces of a couple games. I, uh, I, I'm hoping now that yeah, the NFL schedule is settling down and we, you know, we're reaching kind of a dead point of the offseason. Uh, I plan on watching some. I love the USFL growing up, uh, but it, you got to believe it's a different product. Uh, yeah, because you, you they're not going after high price, high ticket players right. uh, like the previous USFL did. Uh, but I'm hearing and I'm reading that the quality of play is pretty solid. So that is encouraging. I'm, I'm rooting for the league uh, yeah. to, to stick around and do well. Uh, but like I said, I, I have not uh, been able to watch uh, much act, action so far. I'm curious because all the games are played in Birmingham. I'm wondering uh, are they going to branch out and let the let the breakers play in New Orleans? And if they do, where are they going to play? Probably at Tulane Stadium or something like that. I, I don't know. Um, I, I'm always leery about these these leagues. Um, is it backed by the NFL in any way, shape, or form, or not? I not officially. Okay. Uh, but a lot of the uh, a lot of the draft picks when the USFL uh, did have their draft a, a month six weeks ago. Uh, a, a lot of, in fact, the majority of them were practice squad NFL players, uh, and the league immediately said that you know the, those practice squad players can come back to their organizations okay. uh, unless they backpedal. That was the uh, initial response from the NFL. So okay. that tells you, uh, yeah, that tells you that the NFL doesn't feel like they're getting uh, their toes stepped on, uh, which I think is a good sign you know, if the USFL wants to prosper in any way whatsoever. 
Yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm like you. I haven't watched one play of one game. I don't know who's playing in it. I have no idea. Uh, I'm all for it against players exposure and maybe maybe one or two of them uh, can uh, hook on with a team and make a practice squad. You never know. Might find a diamond in the rough somewhere. You just you just never, ever, ever know. Um, how would you feel if you had made millions and millions of dollars and you're considered the greatest player of all time at your position and you come back, you retire, you come out of retirement to play one more season, maybe, maybe more, but knowing that in the back of, in your back pocket, as soon as you say, I'm done playing, I've got a 10-year, $375 million contract to go call games on television. Life is good for one Tom Brady. Man, you want to you want to talk about a man that made a deal with somebody uh, at, at some point and <laughs> probably in his 20s uh, that that man has led a charmed life. And then some, uh, at least as far as we know, in the public yeah. eye. Uh, and, yeah, you know, as well as I do there, there is nothing greater, no greater feeling in the world uh, yeah, than to have the feeling of you know, job security and more important, financial security. Uh, and you know, to, what you say the contract was, you know, ten, a 10-year media contract? Yeah. $375 million, the richest broadcasting contract ever. Wow. I mean, yeah, my goodness. I mean, yeah, the, the other names in the industry, uh, you know, the Tony Romos, the Troy Aikmans, uh, you know, first, first thing they probably did was kick their wall. Uh, you know, but uh, then when that initial shock settled down, uh, yeah, they, they have some experience in the industry, regardless of how you feel the type of job that they do. Uh, I, I think Tom, I, it's something that I could picture Tom Brady doing pretty well, uh, but it's still hard to wrap my mind around the numbers, especially for someone who has never really served in that capacity whatsoever. Right. He is just an ex player with a you know, big name, probably one of the biggest names in the history of the business. What's happened with Sean Payton? Has, I, I miss, I, has he signed with somebody? Has there been an announcement as to what Sean Payton's doing in a broadcasting role? I, not as far, it, as far as I know, we don't know what Sean's capacity is going to be. Uh, you know, we, it seems to be more studio oriented. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the network's plan is to pull him out of the studio uh, you know, for specific games. Uh, you know, similar to what uh, uh, what NBC did with Drew Brees last year. Uh, I, for one, yeah, Sean Payton is another one that I think would be very, very good at it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we know his competitive nature. So once he puts his mind to doing something, he's going to do it to the best of his ability. Uh, I'll miss she- seeing coach on the sidelines. But unless he comes back to New Orleans, uh, I, I hope he never coaches again. I, I realize <laughs> it's probably a little unrealistic, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I, I can picture coach being more of a, uh, of, of a, in, in a booth role. Uh, what, you know, what about you? How, how do you see him? I see him very short term. I'd see him getting back into coaching real, real soon. And that's why I don't think the networks would put him in a color analyst role uh, in year one, it, it takes time to develop and to grow and to, to get good at that. I would see him doing some studio work. Um, just my thought. And I'm glad you brought up um, about Sean, uh, his personality, his fire, his creative way. 
I wonder how the Saints offense and how the players are going to react to what seems like a very, um, very calm, quiet Pete Carmichael. That's going to be very interesting. Uh, and yeah, that's what I find most intriguing about the New Orleans Saints as they head into this season. Uh, you know, we have seen some fire and brimstone from Dennis Allen. So I don't know if the if the intensity at the head job is going to change very much. Uh, yeah. But what's it going to be like you know, for Jameis Winston uh, you know, you know, with that speaker in his helmet? Uh, you know, we've heard Sean Payton mic'd up before, so we know how intense he is. Uh, you know, is that the kind of coach and leadership that ca- will cause that causes Jameis Winston to thrive? Uh, or will he blossom even more with a calming influence of a Pete Carmichael? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the majority of that offense is you know, very experienced, not only in the league, but with each other. So I think that that's going to be a big help. Uh, but you know, again, Jameis Winston, yeah, he's had, what, a couple years in the system now couple years under Carmichael, but Sean Payton was still the czar in charge of that offense. So, you know, yeah, what's going to change? What kind of dynamic is that offense going to approach things with? I think they're still going to have some aggressive play calling. When Pete has had the, uh, the opportunity to ca- call the plays before, we've seen them, we've seen him be very successful. But what's it going to be like for a long-term development of this offense? Yeah, I would imagine Dennis Allen's going to do what Dennis Allen's always done, just like Sean Payton did offensively, head coach, but he's also the the play caller on offense. I'm sure Dennis Allen's going to do the same thing defensively. Um, and only the players are, that, that are there understand what Pete Carmichael's all about and how much, I hope, the respect they have for him and his knowledge of the game and how much he helped Sean Payton game plan for teams. Absolutely. And I, yeah, and I agree with that. And I think the fact that Pete is still there after the coaching change good, good point. Uh, you know, tells you that you know, the, not only the organization, but the offensive players do have a lot of respect for Pete. Uh, and the fact that they brought in Doug Marone uh, and the wide receivers coach formerly uh, at, at Tennessee, a young guy. Uh, we know Marone's a fiery coach. Uh, you, know, you, you expect the young uh, yeah, young additions that they made to their coaching staff are uh, going to infuse uh, you know, some certainly some new ideas, uh, but maybe some you know, different angles of emotion, too. So I do expect things to continue to be fresh. Uh, yeah. But without Sean Payton there, you know, without that fire and brimstone yeah. that you talked about yeah. to uh, to give them the occasional boot in the you know where uh, yeah, is Pete going to be that guy if it, if the time calls for it? I think this team, obviously, I think we all agree that this team's defense is going to be the strength of the club until the offense can hopefully catch up to speed. Who's the player on that defense that you think has to make that next big step um, in ability and performance on the field for this team to go from a really good defense to an elite defense? Is there a player? You know what you're going to get from Lattimore, you know what you're going to get from Cam Jordan, right? You know what you're going to get from Demario Davis. Who's that guy that can take that next step up that's going to make this team even better defensively? For me, it's Pete Warner. Uh, And, you know, Pete showed some glimpses of, in my opinion, a potential star last year. Uh, Yeah, but he had. He had Demario Davis beside of him and he'll have that again. He had Quan Alexander. You know, beside of him or in front of him. He's not going to have that, at least as of right now. 
Uh, you know, so the way this team is set up, they expect a big jump from Pete Werner. Uh, you know, because you know, Quan still played a whole lot of snaps as long as he was healthy. Uh, you know, and, and you know, they use Werner for spot duty and certainly as a, as a good injury replacement when Quan was dinged up. Uh, but now, you know, uh, Pete's going to be expected to do that, you know, down in and down out. Uh, with little linebacker depth behind him and Davis, uh, you know. So yeah, I think you know Paulson and Debo. I expect bigger things from. Uh, you expect a return to form from David Onyemata, uh, but Pete Werner for me is the guy that has to make a quantum leap this year for this defense. So give me the secondary when they go nickel. It's going to be Lattimore. It's going to be a Debo. It's going to be May. It's going to be Matthew. It's going to be C.J. Gardner Johnson, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I don't really. They they like to you know, mix in PJ Williams in there. Yeah, we've seen. Uh, so I think you know PJ might be able to take some snaps away from one of those guys. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I think you nailed the top five right off the uh, right off the top there. Uh, yeah, because Bradley Roby last year, you know, we saw you know, Adebo play so well that he uh, kept Bradley Roby on the bench. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dennis Allen and Chris Richard chose to play PJ Williams in situations in lieu of playing, playing Bradley Roby. Uh, you know, I, I know they like Roby. Uh, you know, he's, he's a fine talent. Uh, but yeah, I think Bradley Roby and PJ Williams are probably your sixth and seventh defensive backs. Uh, that's, that, that's a statement to how deep and talented this defensive backfield is. Man, I, I tell you what, I, I'll go to battle with those guys every day of the week. Are you comfortable with the depth on the defensive line? Yeah, I am. Uh, I, yeah, I'd like to. I, I would have liked to see them draft a defensive tackle or maybe add uh, a little bit of depth there in free agency. Uh, but I think the uh, the signing of Kentavious Street from the 49ers, that's going to be an underrated addition for this defense. Uh, I do expect a return to form from Onyemata, uh, who seemed a little bit off last year when he did come back from his uh, PED suspension. Uh, and even if Street, Onyemata, and Tuttle aren't able to get a, a lot of interior disruption, we saw them have success moving Cam Jordan, Davenport, Passanio, or even Peyton Turner inside on passing downs. And I think we'll see a lot of that this year, especially early on, uh, because yeah, that edge core is just so deep. You want as many of those players on the field as often as possible. So, yeah, yeah. if you're talking about moving uh, one or two of those edge guys inside on passing situations uh, or when the offense goes uh, multiple receiver sets, mm -hmm. I do like the interior depth. Uh, but, yeah, I, I hope I'm right about street because uh, we need more yeah. down-in and down-out interior disruption from the defense. And, and how confident are you that this is going to be a good um, put pressure on the quarterback defense? Very, uh, yeah, very. And, and again, we, we talked about the edge players uh, you know, a minute ago. Uh, you know, Cam proved the world wrong. Uh, yeah. you know, the, and he still can't indeed play at an extremely high level. Davenport is finally showing what he can do. Uh, I'm anxious to see what Peyton Turner can really do. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you know, Dennis Allen, Ryan Nielsen, Chris Richard, everywhere they have been uh, throughout their careers, they have put onus on putting the pressure on the quarterback. Even if you don't get the guy on the ground, rushes right. him. Him timing yeah. off, let yeah. those talents in the secondary do their job. So yeah, yeah. Everybody's going to want to talk about the talent in the defensive backfield and rightfully so, but I think the success of this saints defense is going to be the pressure that they put on opposing backfields. 
It got me fired up. I think Saints might be pretty good. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Thank you, my friend. Have a great rest of your week. We'll do it again next Tuesday. My pleasure. I can't wait. And great to see you as always. All right, buddy. You take care. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of Top Gun Maverick. That's right. You can see it before anyone else by simply texting Top Gun, T-O-P-G-U-N, to 68683. That's Top Gun to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek May 26th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the Top Gun sneak preview brought to you by Big Boy Toys and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, I'm going. I may give it a week, let the people kind of make the mad rush, but I'm going. I'm going for sure. Uh, I'm going to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll wrap this bad boy up. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, 55 minutes after they are. What a great day. Kim Mulkey's doing cartwheels. No, she didn't get another top flight recruit, but yes... Her son, former LSU infielder Kramer Robertson, was promoted today to the St. Louis Cardinals active major league baseball roster. He joins the Redbirds tonight in St. Louis for their game against the Baltimore Orioles. Kramer becomes the 80th major leaguer in the history of LSU baseball. He played from uh, from 2014 to 2017. I was a fourth round selection to the cards in 2017. He's played the past two seasons for the Memphis Redbirds, the Cardinals triple a affiliate. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, Remember he was the 32nd round draft selection of the Cleveland Indians in 2016, but elected to return to LSU for his senior season. He led LSU to a runner up finish at the 2017 college world series as the Tigers shortstop. Congratulations, Kramer. Dreams do come true, and congratulations, Kim Mulkey. I can see the uh, the the flights lining up to St. Louis from Baton Rouge to go watch her son play in one of the best organizations there is in Major League Baseball. That is great news. Uh, special thanks to our guests, Justin Napoli, talking the Pels and NBA, Chris Reeve, LSU Baseball. They'll take on Southeastern tonight right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles and Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Two games in the NBA tonight. Don't forget about that. We've got Philadelphia at Miami, Dallas at Phoenix. The winner will have a three-teams-to-two lead. Tomorrow, Michael Huguenin, more on NIL. We'll recap baseball for the Tigers and the the Cajuns. We'll all the NBA stuff. We'll have it all for you. James, thank you so much for all you do. Um, If today is your birthday, May the 10th, Happy birthday. You share it with Missy Franklin, a great swimmer at 27 years old. And Bono is 62 years old. 
Um, that's it for today. Hope you all have a wonderful day, wonderful evening. Come on back tomorrow, same time, same station. Until then, I'm Jordy Hilpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy, my friends. Let's all be kind to one another and let's be happy. So long, everybody. <laughs>